Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Hey family, just a quick PSA. It's six days left of shopping before Christmas. I know it's it's crazy. It's here already. How many of you right where you are in the chat just let us know, hey, I still have shopping to do. <laughs> I'm still scrambling. There's always those of us who are, are just that last minute like we've been meaning to and it's been crazy. And hey, listen, we know that the reason that we are in this season is Jesus, but we can acknowledge the chaos a little bit. Like it's, it's crazy. And, and that's honestly what we've been talking about a lot in this series is how we navigate those seasons of uncertainty and chaos and, and discover God's voice in the midst of that. And to help us, we've been looking at these titles that were given to Jesus before he was born. In fact, like we said, 700 years before he was born, Isaiah the prophet had this glimpse, this understanding of who Jesus would be. And just for our reference, we'll jump back into that verse real quick as we jump in. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In the first week, we talked about Jesus being our wonderful counselor, that he is that safe space for us to, to take what we have left and, and to pour it out before him, to l- have him listen to our hearts and us listen to his, that he would be willing to speak into our lives and guide us, help us have perspective that could only come from the author and the finisher of our faith. This is an incredible opportunity, this title, this facet, of Jesus. The second one was mighty God, and we talked about the fact that this mighty God who humbled himself to to be born as a baby, who came and humbled himself before the people, and he submitted himself to the law, and he fulfilled the law, and he, in spite of all that, died for our sins on a criminal's cross, and God elevated him to greatness, gave him the name above all other names. And this mighty God gives us this opportunity to choose humility over status, to choose grace over guilt, to choose serving over demanding a say and choosing to use our emotions and our hearts and and what's deep within us to protect rather than project. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of everlasting father. And I'll be honest with you, this is, this is going to be a heavier message for me to deliver. Not that the content is super heavy, but just in light of, of losing my dad. And, and this is, will be one of the first times that I actually like preach a, a lot about his impact on my life. And so bear with me today if I, if I lose it a little bit, but I think, I think we'll be able to make it. But the truth is, for me, this idea about God being father was until the summer of 2020 something that I didn't really connect with very well 
like the, the idea of God being so many other attributes to, to my life and to me made a whole lot of sense, but I never really viewed him as father because honestly, I didn't really need him in that way. I had an incredible, incredible father. And, and can we just be honest for a moment that there are facets, there are attributes of God, this heavenly being, this God who is omnipresent and all-powerful and has been there from the beginning and he knows the end, this, this all-encompassing creator of the world, there's some pieces of it that our puny little minds just can't connect with. But there are attributes of God that, that I deeply resonated with, but I didn't really picture God as my father because well, honestly, I had a really special one here on earth that fulfilled anything that I could ever need from a father. You see, my dad was an amazing, amazing man, but he also was a hot mess. He was, he was a trip, man. You, you'd be around him, and he was this quiet introvert that was always to himself, and then all of a sudden he would do something crazy that would just take you completely off guard, and, and they're going to throw a picture up of here of him, and Look, he was the most loving, most generous, most unbelievable human being on the planet. Anyone who ever was around him would tell you the impact that he had on their lives. But don't let that smile fool you right now, okay? That man could put the fear of God in you like nobody else. He had this bud look that would just make you tremble. I, I, I've seen countless waitresses run away from the kitchen because dad was giving them the bud look. But the reality is that he was a serious introvert. He spent the majority of his time sitting in the back in the sound booth trying to avoid all attention. And he was just a, a generous, loving person. And there's literally thousands of stories that I can tell you about him. But one of my all-time favorites was when I was a, a kid. I was a young boy, and my dad was a massive germaphobe, like a massive germaphobe, like the kind of dude that like bleached everything. He was constantly cleaning. You wanted to eat at his restaurants because you knew they were spotless and clean. And he's one of those that would like never dream of getting into his bed without taking a shower first. And like he did everything he needed to do around the house before he was getting in bed. He would take the shower and the idea of deviating from the shower to the bed was like, no, this is not going to happen. Like he was a major germaphobe. And so I was a, a young kid, and my dad was serving in our church as an elder, and we had brought in a, a guest speaker to speak that night. And even though he's introverted, because he was an elder in the church, they asked him to sit on the front row, and he was hating every minute of it. And, and the preacher started going, and he started getting excited. And, and, and sometimes, like how, how we do, a, a little drop of spit flew out of the preacher's mouth, and it gently landed on my dad's bottom lip. He quietly stood up, walked out the sanctuary, and disappeared. Had no idea where he went, assumed he went to the bathroom or something, maybe wash his mouth out or, or something. So we, we get out of service. The guy finishes preaching. We get out of service. We're in the foyer. We're looking around. We can't find him. No one has any clue where my dad is. And we're starting to like wonder, like, he left, obviously. He's not on site in the campus. Like, where in the world is my dad? 
And there's no cell phones at this time, so there's no one like picking up a phone and calling him. And so finally, after a long time, he, he pulls up to the church in the car and he walks into the building and we're like, dude, where have you been? What, what is going on? And we, we just get this smell of bleach. Like, my mom goes, bud, where did you go? He said, I went home. You got to know my dad. Again, introvert, man of not many words. I went home. Why? He spit on my lip. Why do you smell like bleach? Because I gargled with it. <laughs> Time out. You, you did what? You gargled with bleach? It's just like he always had to do the most, this germaphobe. It wasn't enough to just like wipe his lip. Even if you're going to wipe it with a rag with some bleach on it. No, the man gargled bleach. Just extra. But the reality is, for me, my, my dad legitimately was my hero. He blazed a trail for me as a father that only he could. And he left such a lasting legacy on my life that I will never be able to repay or be able to forget. But in, in the midst of that, it, it's why for me, I, I struggled thinking about God as my father. Because the father that I had was everything that I could ever ask for. So asking God to kind of fill that role didn't really fit in my relationship with him. I, I deeply connected with God as my provider, God as my healer, God as my, my director, my guidance, the one that I, I turned to for my future. Like there were deep facets of, of God's nature that I completely connected with. But the reality is I never needed him to be my father until I did, until I lost mine. And here's the truth that you and I have to wrestle with. There are facets of God's nature that you will not experience until the need arises. There are stories you'll read about God in the Bible and, and how he showed up in those moments. And, and it'll be like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Until you go through a moment that's similar and then God, you, you see him in that light and you need him in that light. And so there's, there's a depth to this relationship with God that you haven't even unlocked yet, that you're, you're still going to learn as you experience and go through life. And you're like, Danny, I'm 55 years old. You're still going to learn and experience and go through things that will connect you with God in unique and powerful ways. And the reality is, God as our father, as parents, we have the challenge of wearing a multitude of hats. Now, I understand that before you have kids, you have to wear multiple hats too. I'm not minimizing that at all. But when there's a tiny little human being whose life depends on you keeping them alive, the stakes just get a little bit higher and you start wearing multiple hats. And for me, as a, as a dad, I wear different hats. Like sometimes I'm, I'm the provider. Uh, other times I'm the disciplinarian. Girls, don't make me call daddy in here. I'm like, oh, man, here I go. Put, put on the disciplinarian hat, come in. Sometimes it, the hat is the fun dad, the one that makes them laugh. Sometimes it's the rub some dirt on it. Man, stop. Stop all that crying. You don't need to cry. It's not that big of a deal. Do you want me to cut your leg off? Like, you know, it's just those extra things that us dads do. It's, it's just part of it. It just comes with territory. You know, that, that, those hats like the storyteller dad. But hey, guys, let me talk to you just for five seconds here. 
There's a hat that you and I don't wear enough. It's the hat of being the encourager. Listen, your words as a leader of your home, your words as a husband to your wife, your words as a father to your children, carry more weight than you will ever know. Make sure you don't forget to wear that hat and be the encourager. But the problem is, sometimes I put on the wrong hat. Sometimes I'm in the other room and I hear Lauren fighting with the girls and there's, they're crying and the voices are starting to get elevated. And so I put on the hat, I bust in the room and I'm like, this foolishness is going to have to stop. I don't know what's going on. Everybody calm down. And I get that look from Lauren like, wrong hat, bro. Wrong hat. I needed you. There's a moment happening here, and I needed you to come in with the hat of compassion. And like, I just, what's going on? Huh? What's going on? Right? Like, we had those moments where we wear the wrong hat. Sometimes I come in too hot, and Lauren's like, babe, no. I'm like, okay, let me stop. What did I miss? What's going on here? What we'll see in our Bible story, our passage today, is is that many times we expect God to wear a certain hat. We expect God to play a certain role. The reality is, he knows a lot better which hat he needs to wear. There are countless moments where we see Jesus navigate this role as being the everlasting father. But one of my favorites comes from Luke chapter 8. Let's jump into that together. Luke chapter 8 says this, verse 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. There's something I I want you to see here. This is important for, for some of you who are listening. Her healing was not found in a public moment, but it was found in an intentional step of faith that was unseen. It wasn't this big spectacle of a moment, and she didn't try to stop Jesus and draw the crowd's attention to her and, and Jesus, make you stop, just look at me. It was this quiet, unseen moment. She decided in her heart, all I need is a touch from my Savior and I will be well. All I need is, is him. I don't even need him to speak a word. All I need to do is touch the bottom of his garment and I know you see, I wonder how many of us are missing our miracle because we're, we're waiting for a moment of significance rather than having a quiet determination to touch heaven right where we are now. How many of us are missing our miracle because we're, we're waiting for this special moment to happen? This special moment in a service, this special moment in our homes, this special moment where the whole world stops and just, this is the moment. How many times do we miss what we need from God when what we need is a quiet determination to say, hey, hey God, hey Jesus, your prayer was that, that it be on earth as it is in heaven. God, I need heaven to touch earth right now 
in this quiet moment that's unseen, that's just me and you. Some of you today, you need that encouragement. But you don't need to wait for some spectacular moment. You need to pray that heaven touches earth right where you are. But imagine her relief. You, you, know, you guys know that I like to do this. I like to put myself in the story and, and be a person in the crowd. And I can, I can picture her laying on the ground, tears streaming down her face as she just wraps her arms around herself and goes, I'm, I'm healed. It's done. It worked. And, and all she sees is these legs, the sea of legs walking past her. And she's just having this quiet moment laughing to herself that God has healed her. Jesus has healed her. It's happened. And then suddenly everyone stops moving. And Jesus' voice cuts through all of the noise. And Jesus says, in verse 45, who touched me? Everyone denied it. And Peter, being the loud mouth that he was, says, Master, bro, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. What are you talking about? But Jesus said, no, no, no. Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Ooh, there's a lot there. I'm going to leave it alone then. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. She was afraid that, that somehow he would take this healing back, that she had done something out of line, that her faith was wrong. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And Jesus, with compassion, says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Beautiful moment story continues in the very next verse. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. In the same moment that faith was being answered, faith was being lost. In the same moment that this woman discovered her healing, a man lost his only child. And you see this picture of, of this pain in this moment, and you could imagine the flood of emotion that filled J. Iris as he was, he was standing there. We imagined her and her excitement as she was healed by the Lord, but imagine his pain in the moment as he's thinking to himself, Jesus, you were too late. You knew how urgent this was. I told you how desperate I was. Why did you stop? I can imagine him looking at this woman as she's celebrating this healing and thinking to himself, well, that's great for you, lady, but your healing cost my daughter her life. I can imagine the emotion in the moment. The truth is that we, we try to determine the role God will play in our story, but he knows his part better than we do. So many times we want to tell God, hey, this is the hat that I want you to put on. Hey, if you were an everlasting loving father, this is the hat that you would wear. This is how you would show up. This is how you would handle the situation. And we, we say things like, hey, God, I need you to be my provider and make this happen Sometimes he says, no, right now what you need your Heavenly Father to tell you is to slow down because you're doing too much. 
You see, in that moment with my dad, as I sat on the ground, praying with everything in me as they tried to resuscitate my dad, God, I need you to show up as the healer. God, I need you to show up right now and do what only you can do. I know that by your stripes we are healed. I am praying all of this. I am standing on that promise. I am believing that. And God, in that moment, in the moments to follow, said, no, son. What you need to do is you need to be able to find me in the pain so that your dad doesn't have to be in pain anymore. There's a hat that I wanted God to wear in that moment. But God in his sovereignty lovingly said no. What you need is me to show up in a different way, in a different role. Listen, Jairus' daughter and this woman were connected in ways that, that only God could know. You see, the, the same year that the woman experienced this health crisis, maybe it was her, her, her period that was coming that just all of a sudden it just wouldn't stop after this. That same moment, that same year that that happened was the same year that Jairus and his wife were celebrating the birth of their baby girl. And here we are in the same season that the, the woman experienced pain and loss. It's the same moment that this other family is celebrating new life. Only God could have seen that on the same day, 12 years later, that both his daughters would need a healing. Both of his daughters would need a different type of God to show up, a different role, a different hat to be worn. You see, Jesus, the everlasting father, doesn't only speak to time, the beginning from the end, the alpha and the omega. You see, the everlasting father reminds us that Jesus's power is not a limited resource. Everlasting speaks to his ability to have what we need individually. His power is everlasting. His love is everlasting. His healing is everlasting. His attention is everlasting. And too many times we get into this scarcity mindset that if, if Jesus showed up for them that way, then that must mean that he's all tapped out. There's no more blessings left to go. I mean, he blessed that family. Look at what he did for them. I guess he doesn't have anything left for me. He's not showing up for for me in that way, we get in this mindset that there's, there's this scarcity to God's power. But everlasting Father speaks to this everlasting, never-ending source power. You see, God doesn't need you to manage his energy level. He needs you to trust deeper in his willingness to answer. God doesn't need you to worry, well, God, I, I prayed about this too many times. So God, you got to know you're probably tired of hearing this. God, I know there's a lot going on in the world. Let me just manage my, my ex. I don't want to ask too much of you. I don't want to drain your batteries. And God's like, do you know who I am? Do you understand that God doesn't need you to, to manage him? He needs you to trust deeper that he's willing to answer. 
as this moment is transpiring in verse 50, Jesus heard what had happened and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. She will be healed. Jesus asks him in the darkest moment of his life, the question he's asking you today. Hey, can you trust me that even if I didn't do it now, that doesn't mean I won't do it later. Hey, will you trust me that if I didn't do it how you thought I would, it doesn't mean that I won't still answer. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. This is not over. Just hold on story continues in verse 51. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and he said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. You see, Jairus had planned a healing, but Jesus provided a resurrection. Jairus had a certain picture of how Jesus was going to show up. He had a picture in his mind of the, the hat that this everlasting father would wear in this moment. And when all hope felt like it was gone, Jesus said, don't give up. Hold on. And for some of you, this Christmas season looks completely different than what you thought it would. Shoot, for some of you, your entire life looks different than you thought it would. The transitions that you've gone through, the, the experiences that you've had, the things that you've had to navigate, the, the struggles that you're going through, the emotions that you feel, the, the job that you have, the relationship that you're in. So many of you are looking at your life going, this isn't exactly what I thought it would be right now at this point. Jesus is encouraging us to understand that there are some dreams in some of you that feel like they've died. The hope has fizzled out. This, this feeling and this drive, this passion and this purpose feels like it's completely drained from your life. Jesus is saying the time for weeping is over. It's not dead. It's just sleeping. Your everlasting father has time. He has power. He has the heart to bring life back into those things that seem like they are gone forever. Your everlasting father has more for you than you could ever imagine. And it takes a shift in our understanding about his nature, a shift in our understanding about how he sees us, how he can show up individually in our lives. This beautiful picture of of Jesus being this healing for this woman after 12 years of waiting for her healing to come. Jesus providing a resurrection in a moment that this 12-year-old daughter needed as well. 
Jesus knows exactly what you need individually. Your everlasting father is not just a father to the millions. He's a father to the one. And in my own story and in my own journey, even though I never viewed him as that, the moment that I needed him to be that, he showed up with so much love and so much grace and so much compassion and so much presence. Your everlasting father has more than you could ever imagine. It might not look like you pictured. Your journey may look completely different than you would have written. But the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father will not leave you to fend for yourself. He is with you. He is available. And he is ready for you to lean deeper into his arms than you ever have before to find everything you've been looking for in the arms of your Father. Let's pray. Jesus, what an incredible story of how you were able to navigate this moment to perfection, how you, you were able to bring this long-awaited healing for one woman and this desperate need for a a father who was trying to save his daughter. Jesus, you showed up in different ways, but the fact of the story is you showed up. You're never too tired for our needs. You're never overwhelmed by our requests. You're, you're never consumed by somebody else's life so much that you can't see us. You are ever present. You're ever lasting. You're ever knowing. You're ever loving. You are there for us. Jesus, I thank you for showing up for me as the, the father that I needed when I desperately needed my dad. I thank you that you continually show up and, and be that voice in my life. And I pray for my friends right now as they, as they are in desperate need as well to know that their heavenly father loves them and cares for them sees them individually and knows what they need. Would you give us the courage to stop trying to determine the hats you will wear and have the humility to trust that you know exactly how you need to show up? We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.